Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. Due to CDC recommendations, we are live streaming our services until further notice. You can join us online at 11 o'clock a.m. on Sunday mornings on our YouTube channel by searching for A10 Sunday Morning, or you can watch this last week's message at area10church.com. For more information, you can visit area10church.com slash now to learn more about what is happening at Area 10 Church right now. We hope to see you back at the Bird Theater again soon. As a pastor, I perform weddings. And when I do a wedding, I know what the deal is. You go to a wedding and people are in a good mood. They want to be in a good mood. They want to celebrate. It's a happy occasion. So you know, walking in, your crowd is energetic and excited. When you do a funeral, you know, it's kind of the opposite. People maybe want to celebrate, but they're very sad. And so you're, com- you're, you're kind of trying to offer a word with, with heavy hearts. Um, and it's, it's a very different vibe. The Sunday after the presidential election, 2016, felt like I was walking into a wedding funeral. I was like, uh, are, are we good here? Are we, are, we, are we happy? Are we sad? Like, there was just such, such a range, even within our church, of, of the way people were feeling about things that had happened. If you remember, there was some, a little bit of rioting and stuff. There was just, it was just a weird week, weird stuff's going on. And, and I think 2020 uh, might be topping that. It's been very weird. And I want to say right now that we are experiencing unprecedented times, except that we've had viruses before, we've had wars, we've had riots, we've had all, like, I don't know how much of this is unprecedented. And also, whenever I say we're experiencing unprecedented times, I, I feel like I'm an insurance commercial at this point. I've heard it on TV so much. So I won't say it that way, but what I will say is these are unusual times, and this stuff is pretty weird right now. We are, um, we've been sheltering at home, afraid of something that we cannot see, don't really know if it will hurt, hurt us or not, and we may be asymptomatic, maybe it's actually not a big deal, this virus, we're like, we don't know. And in all of that uncertainty, people kind of split out into some very predictable camps with, of schools of thought of things. You've got the, the masks and the no masks. You have, you've, got, you've got the people who are like, we need to wear a mask so that we can love our neighbors well, and I understand that. And then you have other people who are saying, I don't have to wear a mask, you can't make me, don't tread on me, my body, my choice, or something like that, some other version of like, I, I'm not gonna wear a mask. And, and, and so you've got this split among something like masks, uh, just like we split about so many other things, you have this division, this disunity that we see in our culture. It actually reminds me of the old Dr. Seuss book about the Sneetches. Uh, I don't know if you remember that book, not one of his most famous ones, but there was this group of people, these not people, but they're sneeches, and um, some of them had no stars on their bellies, and some of them had stars on their bellies. They had stars upon theirs. And there's this picture here that you can see of the sneeches, and uh, what I love about it is the look that they're giving each other uh, about who has a star and who doesn't. It reminds me of looks I have seen in the grocery store in the, in the last mo- couple months of like, do, are you doing this? Are you not doing this? And, and, and sort of the jealousy or the pride or that like there's a lot going on it's really weird and the sneeches had a hard time coming together in their common like sneechanity you know they, they 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 couldn't come together and i see a lot of that happening in our culture right now a lot of disunity and so how can we come together in this in these weird times how can we be unified when people are split in so many directions and my concern in the church is i don't want to see all this cultural stuff split the church apart 
I want to see unity there, that the body of Christ, that we stand arm in arm working together uh, towards the goals that we are called to by the Lord. And so I've been concerned about that. And so in that, we're doing this series called The Unstoppable Force, and we're talking about uh, the church and, and her role in the world uh, and, and what she was designed to be and, and how we are living that out now. And I think this is good for us in the middle of this year to kind of have a mid-year check-in, especially since a lot of the things that we did in church three or four months ago, we have to change and do differently. Um, I think it would be good to check in and go, hey, what is this about and, and, and why do we do it and why do we do the different things that we do? And, and so uh, we're, we're doing this series the Unstoppable Force. And, and that's an interesting title because I, th- I think for most people, like if you think of church, d- does, the, does the words unstoppable force come to mind? Probably not. I mean, the church is 2,000 years old and it's still here, so there's a sense where it's unstoppable, like it's continuing on. But is it a force? It has been in history. It has been a force for good, sometimes a force for evil, right? Some bad things have happened out of the church. But what is it supposed to be? And how can we be unified together and come together as one and be that unstoppable force that we're called to be? So I think to understand that aspect, that this unity aspect of the church and, and of it being an unstoppable force, I think we need to go back and look at what was the church designed to be when it was put in place. Because the church is not my idea, it's not your idea, and it's not any of us like oh, we thought it up and now we have a church. No, the church comes from Jesus. It's, it's actually built around his mission and his idea. And, and you can see it in Matthew chapter 16. Let me give you a little context to this. Jesus takes his disciples who are all young men at this point, young men, maybe even teenagers. He takes them to an area north of the Sea of Galilee to a region now we would call it the Golan Heights, uh, which was pretty famous uh, for wars and stuff over the last couple decades. It's a, it's a very narrow strip of, of land, kind of it was mountains, and, and tucked up next to one of these mountains, there was a town up there in northern part of Israel. There was a town called Caesarea Philippi. It was a, more of a Roman town, a pagan town, and they had a lot of pagan worship there, and it was pretty, uh, it was pretty rough. If you're a young Jewish boy like Jesus' disciples, like they're the youth group, Jesus takes his youth group basically to Vegas, to like Sin City of that area, which is crazy. I don't know if their parents had to sign a permission slip or what, but Jesus takes them to this rough spot. And you got to think the disciples were like, yo, he's taking us to Caesarea Philippi. Like we're not allowed to go there. This is not where good Jewish boys and girls go because of the pagan worship and the different things that was going on there. And in that space, while he's there, Jesus asks them a question. Let me put it up on the screen. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Jesus wants to know, hey, what's the word on the street about me out there? What are people saying? And they're like, well, people think you're Elijah. People think you're Jeremiah. But they think you're one of the Old Testament prophets who's maybe come back to life. And Jesus is like, cool. What do you guys think? And Simon Peter, 
is the guy who speaks up. And in, in, in any crowd, there's that guy who is the first one to, you know, kind of the loud mouth or very bold or like will say what other people are thinking. Um, throughout, throughout school, I was that guy in my classroom, unfortunately. Sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was not good. Uh, but Simon Peter's that guy. He speaks up and he says, you are the Christ, the, the, the son of the living God. Uh, which is which is fantastic. And Jesus responds to him. He says this, verse sixteen, uh, verse seventeen. And Jesus answered him, "Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven." Now Peter's kind of original given name is Simon. He is called um, P- Peter later. Uh, and, and Jesus looks at him and says, blessed are you, like you get it, man. You understand, you know what this is about. And then listen to what Jesus says to him right after that, verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he says, you, Peter, the, the name Peter means the rock, which is a great name for Peter being solid. It's also a great name for a pro wrestler, if anybody wants to take that up. Uh, and, and he says, you are the rock. And, and, and then he says, on this, I will build my church. Now, a lot of people have said, oh, is he saying like, on Peter, I will build my church? No, he's building the church on what Peter said, on that confession that, man, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God, you are the savior, you are God in the flesh. That idea, that confession is what Jesus says, I will build my, my church on. Now, when Jesus says church, when we read that in a modern context, that might kick up some weird things for you. You sort of go like church, like a worship service, um, a, a big building, maybe a, a, a cathedral, a steeple, those sorts of things. But that's not what they thought when he said it. He uses the Greek word ekklesia, which means mo- like gathering or maybe something like movement. Like it's this, this group of people united around this, this purpose and this mission. Um, and so he says, I'm going to build that on, on that confession, that people understand that I am God. And on that, we're going we're gonna to build this, this church, this gathering. One of the frustrating things, I think, about the whole shelter and home time that we've been going through these last several months is that the church is supposed to be a gathering and yet we are scattered. We are in homes right now all over the place. Um, and that's, that's weird when you're supposed to be a group that gathers. It is less than ideal. And even um, people who are like very introverted, you know, early on, like in mid-March, the introverts were like, finally, everybody will calm down and be quiet. And I'm gonna just going to go over here and read my book and just leave me alone. Even some of the most introverted people I know are saying to me like, okay, this is enough. Like we're done. Like can we, can we come out and play too, right? Because like, you just get tired of it. We were designed to connect. We're designed for community. God hardwired this into us to not be sheltering at home forever uh, or, or for these long stretches, right? So, so we're making the best of what we can right now, and our hope is that as a, 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 a the church at Area Ten, we will be gathering again, um, uh, gathering again soon, where we can where we can be together. Um, now, notice what Jesus says here. He says, "I'm going to build my church, my gathering," and he says, "The gates of hell will not prevail against it." What I really like about that is it 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 
kind of suggests that the church is on the offensive, that the church is supposed to be doing something. The church is active and, and, and like it, it, the church is like busting down the gates of hell. Like hell can't even handle it when the church is doing its thing. It's beating down those doors. And I like that. It, does, it means the church shouldn't just be surviving. We should be thriving. We actually should be that unstoppable force. And we should be looking around in our culture and going, what looks like hell to us? What looks like not what God had in mind? And we should be ripping down those things and tearing down the things that look like hell in our culture. One obvious thing that looks like hell in our culture right now is racism, right? That's the thing we're seeing come front and center, the, 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 the racial, the biases, and the prejudice, and, and then uh, violence to go along with that. We're seeing some stuff, and, and honestly, especially in Richmond, that's not new. We have a long history in this city, in this country, but really in the world, there's a long history of, of racism. And you probably don't think, oh, who's going to fix racism or who's going to fix racial prejudice and all that? You don't think, oh, the church is going to do that. But the reality is the church has always done that. The church has always stepped in, into that. Historically, that has been the case. If you look at the early Christians and you see this throughout the New Testament, when you read the New Testament, you can't ignore the fact that the first Christians were Jewish. So ethnically, culturally, uh, what part of the world they're from, they're, they're Jews that believe in Jesus. They, they, they weren't this separate thing necessarily, like a different world religion. They're just Jewish. Other people start following Jesus who are not Jews. They're Gentiles. And the early Christians, the apostles and all these folks, they had to get over their own prejudice and racial bias towards the Gentiles. They were used to calling Gentiles dogs, not a term of affection. And so they had to overcome that. They had to go, hey, those people who are different than me, who are other than me, who don't look like me, they don't have the same background, the same ethnic group, the same culture, the same customs, they get to follow Jesus too. Oh man, I'm uncomfortable with that. But they had to overcome that and overcome their own racial biases, and they had to realize that the image of God, that imago Dei, that, that fingerprint of God that is on every person, really is on every person, that all creatures are created in the image of God, and that all means all. There's no exception for different ethnic groups or colors or anything like that. You see this really well in the church of Antioch. And it, it, the city of Antioch is a city in the Roman Empire of about 500,000 people north of Israel, modern-day Turkey. And in that city, uh, you see people coming, coming to Christ. Some of the early followers of Jesus are starting to form there. Well, that city had a long racial history, and you had different ethnic groups that came together in that coastal town. And you had ethnic groups. You had sort of your Greeks, and you had Jews, and you had maybe some Romans that weren't part of the Greek culture, maybe some Eastern influence. And so what they had done in Antioch, the government, because the different racial groups were not getting along, they built walls. And so within the city, you had walled off sections. And it was like, here's the Greek quadrant of the city, and here's the Roman quadrant, and here's the Jewish quadrant, and here's the Jewish quarter, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and you see cities like that. The old city of Jerusalem is still like that today. So you had these walls built in Antioch, and then people were becoming Christians. But it wasn't like a Christian just in this quarter. It's like Christians over here among the Jews, Christians among the Greeks, among the Romans, among the, the, the Asian groups that were there. 
And what started happening as people became brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, they, they sort of started going over the walls to start meeting with each other and studying the scriptures and, and studying the apostles' teachings. They came together. And in that way, Christianity or being united around Christ was a wall breaker. It, 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 it tears down the walls and the divisions that were, that were in the, the culture. They were unified uh, and, and they had a oneness. Now, unity and oneness, um, it has to be built around something. And this is, I think, what is partly what is a, a challenge for Americans right now, and maybe many countries in the world, is, is what are we building unity around? Um, in the church, we, are, we have unity around sort of a common creed and a, and a common cause. But outside the church, when we try to unify and we unify around nothing, um, it just doesn't seem to work. Um, we we, we, we kind of come around this vague idea of progress or around this idea of kindness or you know, stuff that, that it's really hard to, to be unified around that kind of stuff. Um, you probably... Uh, you've probably noticed how, how much in our culture right now people are sort of like, we're all in this together and we can do this and, and we're together. And it's like, yeah, I mean, are we together? How, how can we be together? In, in what way does that, is that statement even meaningful? We all occupy the same piece of land, roughly. I mean, I guess that's, there's some togetherness to it. But it, that those we're all in this together, sometimes that feels empty because we're not unified around something. Um, I, I saw this, you probably saw this when the, when the virus started and things went to shelter at home. There were some Hollywood celebrities that all um, recorded on their phone them singing John Lennon's Imagine. And so there's just all these different verses and there's this whole video put together of different celebrities singing a bar or two of Imagine. Um, and I, I saw that and it, it's, it can be fun to see how good celebrities can sing or not, I guess. But I just thought, man, have you ever paid attention to the lyrics of that song? Because it's so depressing. And I, and I, and I also thought, is, is this what passes for a hymn? Is this a hymn that we're supposed to unite around when we have nothing? Um, it's just so empty. And, and this is where I think the church shines. We have for millennia come together around real substantive stuff and and. and, and, and unified different groups of people who might not have gotten along in the church, they are able to see each other as brothers and sisters in a way that maybe they couldn't ethnically or, or culturally. Um, so I think unity in the church is really built around two things. Number one, we're unified around doctrine. Now, doctrine is a, sounds like a dusty old church word, but it means teaching. We are unified around the teachings of Christ um, and, and, and so when we think about how should I live my life, what should I do, we go back to what did Jesus teach? Let's, let's start there. The early church that Jesus had in mind launches uh, in Pentecost, with Pentecost Sunday last uh, two weeks ago, uh, the church launches, and then um, they, they, people start coming to Christ. And listen to the way they, that, that early church was described in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread 
bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The early Christians were coming together and it said they, de- they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So the apostles were saying, hey, this is what we learned from Jesus. Here it is. They were united around that teaching, around that doctrine, around the idea that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, like like Peter had said. Um, They're united around that, around his authority as the best way and, and the pattern for how to live their lives. And Thousands of years later, we're trying to do the same thing. This is why we come together. This is why we teach. This is why we dig into the scripture because we want to know what did Jesus teach and what does it mean for us and how do we walk it out? We are united around those things. Um, and, and, and I know sometimes it's hard to be united because people differ on the little details, but there's always a call for unity in the church, in the scriptures. Listen to the Apostle Paul in in Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to how he says it. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, talking to the church, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I love this part. Listen to this. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul says, Christ has made us unified. He's brought us all into the same team. Jesus is the son of God. We are adopted into his family. We are now brothers and sisters of Jesus, and we are children of the father. We're all in that family. God has done that work to bring us together. Our responsibility, Paul says, is to keep that unity. Work hard to keep it together. And he reminds us, yo, we're all in this together under one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who's over all. We're we're all connected to that same thing. Now, we may argue over the details. Churches argue over the details of the form of baptism and all that, and we'll talk baptism here in a couple weeks. They're going to argue over communion. They're going to argue over some social justice and how we do this and this, and should we be doing more of this, more of that? I I get that. But there needs to be unity, not just, not uniformity, not lockstep on every single little thing, but a desire, a heart's desire, let's come together around Christ and follow him the best we can. It is hard to keep that unity. For church history, from the time the apostles write this stuff down until about 1520, so 1500 years, the church in the world is what we think of as the Catholic church, and then there's the Eastern Orthodox church. So there's basically two denominations or two branches of the church. So it's pretty unified. Starting with the Protestant Reformation around 1517 and going on, you start splitting off of, oh, well, we're we're different than them, we're different than them, to the point that there are over 33,000 denominations of churches today. And so this idea of unity, of us being one, we were like, nah, can't, can't work it out, not interested. We've decided every other thing matters than unity. The, thing, the very thing Jesus prays for before he goes to the cross, he prays that we would be one. And we've decided anything else matters than that. Anything will do. We'll divide over almost everything. Doctrine, yes, but then we'll start dividing over politics, over, you know, mask wearers or non-mask wearers or whatever. Like, we're, we're, we're splitting up. Um, and I, I think that lack of unity, especially within the church, I think that grieves the heart of God. 
It's not what he designed us to do. We need to work at it and, and come together. Um, I, in this church, we are going to be united in, in Christ. Um, that, that, is, that is what we're about. We're, we're a, a, a Jesus-y church. Um, I had a friend who used to come to our church a few years ago, and uh, she, she liked it. She enjoyed the worship, the teaching, whatever. And then she stopped coming, and she said to me, Chris, I really like your church, but um, I just can't come anymore because it's, uh, it's too Jesus-y. Like, when I come, like, you talk about Jesus too much. And I was like, yes, we probably do. Like, I, I get that. Um, sorry? I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, because I, 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 I'm convinced and, and, and feel a strong conviction that the, the church is Jesus' idea. And it is about him and honoring him. And so, yeah, we're going to talk about Jesus a lot. Um, that's, that's, we are unified uh, around that. Um, it is all about him. And, and part of the reason why we make church about Jesus is, well, I guess the best way to say it is that there was a, a situation in John chapter 6 where um, Jesus said, like he often did, Jesus said something awkward and thousands of people are following Jesus and they're really interested in what he has to say until he says something really awkward and then people scatter. And after the people scattered, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, are you guys going to leave too? Like I just said a really hard thing. Are you going to walk away like everybody else? And I guess I feel like Peter does. Listen to how Peter answers Jesus when Jesus asked that question. John 6, verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Lord, where, are we gonna, where else are we going to go? This is why we're a Jesus-y church. This is why we're united around him, because he has the words of eternal life. So we, we're going to him. And no matter how many podcasts there are and books and articles and subreddits and, and information out there and thoughts about the way to live your life, we still come back to Jesus because we believe over all of that stuff, he has the words of eternal life. He has the way that we need to walk in and live our lives. So we're unified around the, the doctrine, the teachings of Jesus. But secondly, number two, we are unified around the mission of the church. Now, the church makes disciples. That's what we do. Every church of Jesus should be doing that, trying to make more disciples and followers of Jesus. Uh, but we, we say it this way, and Rachel introduced this last week, that we're transforming lives in the city for the city. And, and really, to break that down, this is what we talk about. Area 10 exists to help you connect to God, find your people, and change the world. We want you to meet God here and, and know him, give your life to him, be baptized into him, connect to him. We want you to find your people, whether that's here in Richmond or if you're scattered out. We want to help you do that, to find your people, and so that you, you can be in community, so that we can change the world, so that we can kick do down the doors of hell together so we can lock arms and say, we're going to go take on the stuff that's ugly in culture and, and, and work on it. Um, so that's, that's what we do as a church. And then we do it in mostly, primarily in a, in a particular context. We do it in area 10. 
A lot of people ask me over the years, what does Area 10 stand for? Um, it's a real estate designation for the center of the city. It has nothing to do with UFOs in New Mexico or anything like that. It is the center of the, uh, the city of Richmond, Carytown in the west through Churchill in the east, the James River to the south, and I-64 to the north. If you look at that whole kind of like a kind of an oval shape, I guess, that's the heart of the city. That's called Area 10 on a real estate map. And so we are pouring time, money, and energy, and, and our mission is for that area. That doesn't mean that everybody who's part of our church lives there. And, and what we've tried to communicate is you don't have to live there, but you do need to love there. And I've been amazed at how many people who, who live outside the city care, and they love, and they serve here, and they want to, uh, they want to make it great. This is, this is where God has called us to be and to do the work, um, because we need to spread the gospel here. More people need to come to Christ here. Um, and, and I think this is important to say because I think urban living is not looking very popular right now over the last couple months. Um, proximity, clo- enclosed spaces, lack of social distancing, those sorts of things, like um, that's giving cities sort of a bad reputation. The, the temptation would be to, to run to the hills, right? Um, in addition to that, you've got protests and riots that are happening in cities. Bricks go through windows in cities, and, and even peaceful protests are happening in cities. There's not a lot of riots happening in Farmville right now. They're happening in bigger cities, right? Apologies to Farmville if you're living there. Maybe you've had a protest. I didn't check it out. I'm not sure. But it sure seems like the majority is happening in larger cities, and this makes cities not look great to a lot of people. They go, oh, it's it's... It's a mess and you're going to get a disease and all that. I had people reach out to me. I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, Chris, I know you're in the city. Like, it's going down weird there. If you need to come out and stay with us out in the country or out outside of the city, you're welcome to, which I think is very sweet and I, I, I appreciate the offer. But what I think about is, no, this is why we're here. I'm reminded that we're here on purpose, that we chose this space on purpose that we, we need to be in this. If, if there's a hole in our culture, if, if our culture is like a boat and there's a hole in the bottom and water's coming in through that hole, I want to be near the hole so I can plug it and go like, hey, this is where the problem is. Let's, let's be here. I'm, I am, I'm convinced, and, and the leadership of this church is convinced that we are exactly where we, we need to be uh, to, to love, love and serve. Um, now, not everyone will live here, of course. Uh, there's people connecting with us from all over the place. I did a class online, a Zoom class, uh, in the last month or two here, and uh, we had people connecting in from Louisiana and Georgia, and, and maybe they're watching right now. Hello, guys. <laughs> um, but it's, it's cool to see people connecting from all over the place. Uh, obviously, the, the message can, can spread out, and, and we want to, to reach, re- reach the world. But our, our community um, starts here, and is growing, and we want to stay on mission to transform lives in the city for the city. We want to see more people to come to Christ. So to do that, to be unified around doctrine and unified around mission, we need everybody to be on board and getting involved. The Apostle Paul later in the book of Ephesians says this in the next verse, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Down to verse 11, he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for what? for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. God divvies up his gifts to everyone 
That was the point. We're all supposed to have a hand in this. And so he, he, uh, so he's given you gifts that he has not given me. There's things that I'm good at that you're not good at. There's things that you're good at that I'm not good at. There's ways that you can handle things that I can't do or that someone else can't do. Um, and so we're supposed to be a body, a unified team working together where everybody does a part. Um, and, and that's important. And, and I think it's even more important or it has been emphasized to me during the time of this coronavirus um, because we have seen people step up in pretty incredible ways over the last few months. We've seen people become part of the first response team to reach out to the schools or support with foster care or reach out to some hard-hit communities. We've seen people do that um, here in our church. We have seen a, a real shift in what we've had to do with ministry and people step up to do great work uh, very quickly, March 13th, uh, we were sitting here on the morning of Friday morning, March 13th, going, wait a second, well, I don't know that we can do church in the Bird Theater this weekend. What's the plan? And so in, within 48 hours, uh, Dave Allen on our staff led uh, a team to put together what we're doing right now. And they had to do it very quickly. And we had to borrow equipment and we had to just figure it out. And people stepped up in new ways. Nick Holloman, uh, Dave Allen, Fish Brent, um, Chris Burkle, those, that, the, that team of guys right there figured out the technical stuff and have been working on it over the last couple months. And then other people have come on board with the team to, to try to, to change and, and, and do and continue to do uh, ministry here. Uh, we've made some shifts with our staff. We've, we've seen the need to go more digital, not just now, but even beyond now so that we can continue to reach out across the country and, and into places around the world. Um, and so we've, we've made a shift with, with TJ Owen on our staff who has been uh, doing student ministry. He's going to continue to do student ministry with middle school and high school, but we're, we're putting him also in a spot where he's working with our digital presence and, and recording a lot and producing a lot of, of what we're going to do and, and kind of work on our digital strategy. Strategy, And that's been a really good thing because everybody that we want to reach for Jesus is online somewhere, pretty much. And so we want to be more in, in strategic about that. We need more people on these teams, people who can edit videos, who can film videos, who have good creative ideas, who can reach out into some of those spaces. Uh, we need more people on those teams. And so if you're interested in that on your connection card that you could fill out today, just check that you're interested in getting involved in the team and we'll reach out to you and, and we can start working with you uh, uh, different ways to get involved. Um, the church only functions in a unified, healthy way when everyone on the team does their part. It, the church is likened to a body. If a part of your body isn't working, the whole thing feels it. Um, I tore my meniscus in my knee back in December. And so for the last five, six months, I have been dealing with it and hoping it will get better, and it has not gotten better. Um, and so I've been somewhat limping. Uh, I can't run. Uh, I can't do things. And so I got surgery on it about two or three weeks ago, and it's now starting to heal where I can walk without a limp. Um, but I was amazed, really, of all the things you can't do when one thing in your body isn't working right, when just your knee isn't working. It's not like you can't walk or run. You can't do push-ups. You can't do anything that puts pressure on the knee. Like, it, it, it inhibited a lot of other things I was trying to do in my life. And it was just a reminder to me, man, when one part of the body doesn't function, the whole body suffers. And that is true in the body of Christ. We need people in, on the team all working together because if one part's not you know, all of us feel it. So my challenge is today, offer your gifts, offer what you got. 
um, jump in and, and serve. Um, we will come back together as a church, and that means we will have people serving with A10 kids and, and helping kids to know the Lord. We will have people as greeters and all the things that we would do on, in the Bird Theater, and we will need people on those teams who haven't maybe stepped up yet because we believe in the power of the body of Christ and that God can do great things here. Um, the, the, the church truly is an unstoppable force um, throughout history. Plagues and viruses have not stopped it. Riots have not stopped it. Wars have not stopped it. Um, it. It continues to move forward and do its mission. And so my prayer is that we would be unified around the doctrine and around the mission so that we can reach a lost and dying world. Um, finally, let me answer these questions. We had two questions that I want to address here that are good. Um, number one says, how do we as a church be the change needed without ignoring where we historically as the church have contributed to the problem? Um, that's, that's a great question. Um, I, I think if you look back in the history of the church, uh, you, have, you can go back, if you do any church history, you learn about popes and anti-popes, and you learn about really horrific things done in the church, large, the church capital C, uh, in history in the 1300s and the 1400s. And then you move forward into the present day, and you can look around now you could drive around Richmond and go, that church was formed, because, that, that's an all-black church, and it was formed because it used to be part of this, all, this white church, but they sort of kicked them out and said, you go do your own thing. So there's, there's stories like that up, in, up into the modern day. Um, I, I think we can move forward and, and cast a better vision for what we want of the future, and we acknowledge it, and we go like, yeah, you know what? Like, we haven't always done this well. And let's be honest about it. If someone, I've always said this, if someone wants to complain about the church and say, oh, the church does this, this, and this, I, I've worked in it my entire adult life and been a part of it since middle school. I know, like, you're not going to surprise me. Like, yeah, it doesn't, if you want to make a criticism of the church and make your list, I, I can make my list. I, mine's probably longer than yours. I've worked on the inside of it. And if you want to criticize Area 10, our church, Yep, I've got criticisms too. Like, and I'm one of the people leading it, so it doesn't feel good to me to, to, to acknowledge that. But I think we just have to be honest and go like, yeah, the church is sometimes is created and, and not made these things better. But also to be honest, when, when, when people want to say the church condones slavery in America, maybe, yeah, there's, there's some of that, but also the church helped end slavery in America and, and in, in other parts of the world as well. So like we have to we have to tell the whole story and put some context around things um, and just be and, and be straight up we have nothing to hide it's all it's all out there and written right um, and then the second question is how do we communicate that we uh, we are sinners we continue to mess up and still how can we still then attract people to the church family um, I, you know the first thing I think about is um, do you think that someone who is a sinner and who, who messes up, is that somehow less attractive to you than someone who's perfect? Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know about you, but someone who's perfect intimidates me. Um, I, I get nervous when people are a little too buttoned up and perfect and polished. And so I, I, I don't know that we need to project an image of I've got it all together and don't you want to just be like me. We're pointing people to Jesus He's perfect, and, and, and he draw, and, and what you see with him is as much as we're uncomfortable around each other when you're more like holier than thou, you're more perfect than me, and I don't want to be around you, Jesus was the opposite. He was perfect and holier than thou, but people wanted to be around him because he loved them and he showed them grace. 
That's where we need to focus. We're working on our stuff and trying, I'm trying to get my life right with God, but I want to point people to Jesus and I want to extend grace and, and, and show love um, and, not, and not come from a, a place of, of judgment to people. I think that is attractive if we're honest. Um, one of the ways I've heard it said, and I've, I've said it before, is um, I don't think you should tell anybody that you're better than them because you're not. I think as a Christian, what we can say is, I'm better than I used to be. Uh, I think that's true, and I think we should be honest about it and say, like, no, God has done a work in my life. And then I also think, to go along with that, we need to get to work to allow the Holy Spirit to work us over and change us and grow us so that one, five, 20 years from now, we're not just the same, but that God is doing a work in us, and people will see that change in us, and, and they'll ask questions. So I think that's, uh, that's a big part of it. So there's some questions I wanted to address this week. Thank you for doing that and, and sending us questions. Um, I hope you all have a great week. One last thing that's happening today that I want you to know, there is a, a prayer gathering in Monroe Park today at 3 o'clock. Uh, I'm planning on going down there to pray. There's a bunch of churches coming together uh, with all the protests and the different things going on. We just want to come together, pray confess sin, repent, um, and, and, and come together as people of God. So that's happening today at 3 o'clock in Monroe Park. If you want to come out, uh, I'll, I'll probably be wearing this shirt, and uh, maybe I'll see you out there. So hopefully you can be a part of that. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, let me pray as, as we head out. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word uh, and that it was written down for us to study and get into. God, thank you for your spirit that communicates to us, that pushes us, that challenges us. May we be attentive to your spirit in, these, in this time and, and go where you're leading us. Um, God, help us to be agents of healing and peace in our city and in our culture um, and, to, and to move forward to, uh, to see um, justice happen in our culture that, that you care about that, God, that, we, that you care that justice um, is, it really happens in, in the society that we've built. So, God, may we be agents of that, um, and uh, may we be very dialed into you as we are on this mission. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace, everyone.